Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jerzovich filling in for the one, the only Todd Quarter. This is ATL Prime Sports. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at ATL Prime Sports. Myself at JJ Get You One. Our fabulous producer Wayne in Memphis, Tennessee at RWY Junior. And of course, Todd TC Quarter at Quarter Todd. And Again, welcome to uh, ATL Prime Sports. Wayne, Dave, joining us at Georgia State Voice, voice of the Georgia State Panthers, talking some Sunbelt and NCAA football. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm doing good. It's uh, still hot here in Memphis and needs some rain, but uh, besides that, uh, everything seems to be good. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm great here as well. Good to be with you guys again tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's football season. I got a grin on my face. The Braves are kind of creeping back into things, so they kind of grabbed my attention this way for a little bit, but I'm still concentrated on on that September 4th weekend. It's going to be a big one, and we have our guest Dave Cohen here to talk about it. Georgia State's got a big one. We'll get into that off the bat, but first we got to get into the impact of Texas-Oklahoma. Uh, they're set to join the SEC in 2025, Dave. If this trend continues, as in – people jumping from conference to conference. What would these super conferences, uh, what would the impact of that have on the Sunbelt Conference? Well, it might take a little while for the dominoes to reach our level. The last time we saw something like that happen, uh, Georgia State ended up in the Sunbelt Conference because, you know, Conference USA lost some schools and they turned around and raided the Sunbelt, taking Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee State and then Florida Atlantic and Florida International. So your next thing you know, Georgia State's getting an invitation to join the Sun Belt. As young as we were even then with our football program, we had been in the Colonial Athletic Association for the prior, what, six or seven seasons, only playing one season of CAA football. Uh, but nonetheless, when the, um, when the doorbell rings or, or knocks and you get an opportunity to move, as we did from, uh, you know, FCS football to a group of five-level FBS uh, you got to make that move, and it was a good move for Georgia State, as was the move to the Colonial seven years prior. I thought that was a really good move as well. It put us in really good company uh, that we had not been in before. Uh, but to back to your question, we don't know yet where the dominoes will start falling. Only the first two have fallen in Oklahoma and Texas, and it's been talked about for years. You guys know this. I think we've talked about it here on this show in the past about the Super Conference um, I do think it obviously is all driven by television dollars, and maybe the SEC's not done yet. Who knows? Right. Um, and does the ACC feel any pressure uh, in order to do something, in order to show that they're trying to keep up, so to say, with the moves that the SEC is making? So here's a quick hypothetical situation uh, that, that we've talked about, uh, me and some of some of my media cohorts. Uh, it's now, the, the ball right now, as you look at it, is kind of in the court of the Big 12. You know, what happens to the Big 12? Uh, you know, possibility A is that they lose a few other teams or schools to other conferences. And at that point, really, the league ceases to exist. Yes. Uh, or B, they reach for a life raft and more than likely, if they don't have, if they don't see interest from Boise State or let, or say a BYU, 
which I'm not sure what the interest is on the part of those two schools, what's the most logical direction that they turn? It's the American Athletic Conference. Sitting there is Houston, SMU, which is the Dallas market, Cincinnati, UCF, if you want to go that far south into Florida, um, Memphis, Wayne, oh, yeah. you got the Memphis shirt on. I know Memphis, listen, Memphis, listen, everybody's chasing television dollars. And if Memphis has the opportunity to move from the American athletic and increase those TV revenues that they're going to receive on an annual basis, then certainly they're going to be all ears. If that happens, then the American athletic is looking for the life raft, hypothetical if they lose three or four teams. And now you've got Georgia State. And, I, you know, again, I don't know if any phone calls have been placed, but we're right now in the process of building an 8,000-seat convocation center-basketball arena. Hopefully soon enough, baseball and softball go on the site of the old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. You guys know what we've done football-wise at the old Turner Field. My point is, is that Georgia State, one of the top largest universities in the country at somewhere between 53 and 54,000 students located in market number seven. And I only say that because everything is driven by television, as we know. Now, the question is, is Georgia State attractive to the American Athletic Conference? Is UNC Charlotte attractive to the AAC? Old Dominion, I'm thinking of other schools that are, you know, currently in other leagues that are in relatively decent size markets. So we won't know anything yet until the dominoes end up hitting our level, which is the group of five level. I, uh, I had a, going right here on ATL prime sports. Yeah. It looks like the dominoes will start falling. It'll take a couple of years to, for everything to go into effect. I think Liberty's on that roll too. You know, Hugh freeze has them rolling in the right direction, but this is looking like it's going to be a mammoth change in college football. Wayne, you have a question next, or? Well, I just uh, comment uh, if, you know, regardless of which teams it is, if the uh, Big 12 decides to cherry pick either from the Sun Belt or from the uh, American, or maybe even both, um, I wonder what the chances would be of those two conferences, you know, just combining together to make like a an American Sun Belt conference or a Sun American Conference or South, I don't know, something like that. Uh, you know, because uh, there, are, there are a lot of quality teams in both of them besides the ones that you would first think of. I mean, look look what the Beach Chickens did last year. Absolutely. Exactly. And they're Absolutely. a preseason top 25 team along with Louisiana Lafayette. I read one report that said Louisiana, which I still refer to as Louisiana Lafayette, <laughs> that they were lining up to take a ticket showing interest in moving to the Big 12. And they have a big game this this opening weekend against Texas. They can really showcase their talents. And that kind of leads right into my next question, Dave. This may be the deepest Sunbelt Conference in football ever. They got two top 25 teams in the coaches poll, five or six more good teams than that. Is this the deepest conference uh, the deepest this conference has ever been? Um, yeah, I would probably say so. And again, the Sun Belt, for the most part, took center stage early in the college football season last year, as we talked about last year, uh, when they 
were afforded the opportunity to play on national television uh, because of the other conferences deciding not to play preseason non-conference. So all of a sudden, you have you know Sunbelt schools playing on national TV and winning ball games. Coastal Carolina, Louisiana. Um, well, did Troy win a? But well, Troy came close. What did they uh, against Iowa State? I think it was. But yeah, so the Sun Belt, you know, puts together um, an eye-opening preseason non-conference. And Ew. again, you beat Kansas. Okay, Kansas. You and I, we all know Kansas is is not a great football school. But at the end of the day, if Georgia State beats the 14th team in the SEC, it's still a great win, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for example, the Georgia State win over Tennessee. I mean, you know, Tennessee didn't garner a lot of national respect two years ago, but at the end of the day, it was a win over a Power Five. And listen, Tennessee ended up turning it around, at least ended up in a bowl game. I think they wound up at the Orange Bowl uh, in 2019. So, you know, it's not like we beat a team that went, you know, 1-11 and and, and didn't reach a bowl game. But, yeah, if, if top to bottom is, again, you got Louisiana, you got Coastal Carolina. Um, obviously, those two right now um, are your, for lack of a better term, your face of the conference schools. But right behind them is Appalachian State. Uh, Georgia State is doing its best to move from being a bottom feeder, which is kind of what we were early in our Sun Belt uh, life, to moving into middle of the pack, which is what we've been the last year or two, a team that has been to a bowl game, you know, a number of bowl games since joining the Sun Belt, what, four of them. And now the next step for Georgia State is to be able to run neck and neck and challenge for the Sun Belt Conference Championship. And in order to do that, listen, we've beaten Coastal Carolina. We beat them in Conway what, two years ago, they beat us like a drum in Atlanta last year. We came awfully close to beating Appalachian State last year. Should have beaten them, but, you know, if you, don't score, if you don't score enough points, you're not going to win. And we lost 17-13 <laughs> at Boone. Georgia Southern, we've been able to beat, and they're kind of middle of the pack this year. Um, so that just leaves Louisiana. Um, and if I'm, I'm missing any. But right now, Louisiana and Coastal Carolina, obviously, are the face of when if you you say Sunbelt football to somebody outside the region of Sunbelt football, those might be two schools that they're familiar with because they're now seeing them listed amongst the top 25 in the country in the preseason poll. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that I, I look at at y'all's schedule, and I'm I'm also an Auburn fan was, along with being a Memphis fan, and if there was any, ever a chance or a good opportunity to beat Auburn, it would be this year having a new coach down there. And if you did win that game, that would be an excellent springboard into or give you all some momentum going into conference play against Appalachian State. Yeah, well, you know, I've said on more than one occasion, this is the this is the deepest, most experienced Georgia State team we've had in the 12 years we've been playing football, this being the 12th season. Um, the I don't I don't want to it's not the downside, it's the other side of the coin is that if you look at that schedule. Uh, we're not playing an FCS school this year. We're playing two Power Fives in North Carolina and Auburn. We're playing Army and Charlotte at home. And then week five, or game number five, we open up again with one of the three top teams in the Sun Belt in Appalachian State. 
if somehow we could be three and one heading into the Appalachian State game, that would be fantastic. That means you've either beaten North Carolina or you've beaten Auburn. Is is Auburn in the same position that Tennessee was in two years ago? I don't know. New coach. You know, I'm sure some new schemes. But I can't say that Auburn is ten is the is the SEC's Tennessee of 2019. We won't know that until we take the field. But listen, I've been out at practice at Georgia State, what three times already uh, this week, and go, well, going back to last Friday when they started practice. Listen, Georgia State has got great depth and experience at just about every position. Is that good enough to run with North Carolina? Preseason, what are they, preseason top 10? Is that good enough to run with Auburn? You know, for a complete game? We don't know yet. But I feel good about Army. We beat them two years ago in Atlanta in a driving rainstorm. You know what you're going to get with Army. you got to be able to stop the run. Right. And Charlotte at home, I feel good about. But... You know, games are not played uh, feeling good about them on podcasts and talk shows and in, in columns. They're played on the field. But if at two and two, I might sign off on it. But if we could somehow be three and one heading into Appalachian State, I, that would be fantastic. That'd be a step in the right direction. Uh, three and one, you got to be happy with that. Like you said, that'd be a split with Auburn and North Carolina and two of the prominent uh, programs in the country at this point. Sam Howell, right quarterback, Bo Nix, another good quarterback. So that'll be uh, two tough matchups. We'll continue on with the schedule talk. It's got to be one of the toughest schedules Georgia State has had. But to combat this tough schedule, you mentioned it, this is probably the most experienced and the deepest Georgia State team there is. We talked about it. They could be 3-1 and one going into that App State game. App State's at home. Three of the toughest games on the road. That's Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, and Georgia Southern, the biggest rival on the road. Where do you see this team finishing, and uh, can they compete for a ring, as Coach Elliott always says? The ring games are the most important. No question. And, again, I'm not going to say whatever happens with Appalachian State sets the tone for the rest of the season, um, for the rest of the schedule, Um, but it might because that's an opportunity to come out swinging in the Sun Belt and announcing to the rest of the league that we're here. And Mm -hmm. we've now moved from the middle of the pack Sun Belt to competing to be a top contender in Sun Belt football. Um, You're right, the schedule makers at the Sun Belt did Georgia State no favors with road games like that. You're right, you mentioned those three road games, and then you, you mentioned the first five. And that means, what, eight eight of your 12 games are what you'd consider tough games, even with Army and Charlotte. Absolutely. So if there was ever going to be a year to play that schedule, uh, this would be the year I would guess that Coach Elliott would like to do it because uh, while he has great competition at each and every position, again, as you look across both sides of the football, uh, starting with the offensive and defensive lines, this is the most experienced Georgia State football team that we have had. Uh, starting with Cornelius Brown, Darren Granger, uh, McKaylee Colasurdo, all battling at the quarterback spot. Uh, folks that are watching, you know, might think that Cornelius, because of the way he played last year, and he had a, what I consider to be a really, really good season. 
but he's got good competition. Uh, we had him on our podcast this past week, our Panther Insider podcast. A great guy to talk to and very forthcoming about the competition, but also the camaraderie at that position. They're all pulling for one another because at the end of the day, it's about winning the football game. Um, loaded at running back. We've got, I was, I spent a, a, about 10 minutes after practice today talking to Trent McKnight, our assistant coach and our receivers coach. And we were talking, kind of going back uh, historically, if you want to use that word, the previous 11 seasons. You know, we've got guys like Albert Wilson, who's with the Miami Dolphins, Robert Davis, who is in uh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders camp, Penny Hart, who is battling for a spot in the Seattle Seahawks uh, preseason camp. Those easily are three of the top receivers in the history of the program. Yeah. Right now, you've got Cornelius McCoy and Sam Pinckney, uh, who are next in line as being those great receivers in Georgia State history. But then there's so much depth outside of just those two. And then you throw in all the experience we have at tight end. And we're, what, five deep, uh, depending on, you know, how they decide to use them at running back with Destin Coates and with Jemias Williams and with Tucker Gregg and with Marcus Carroll behind an offensive line that all returns from a year ago. And then jump on the other side of the ball. The defensive line returns everybody. Hardrick Willis, Dante Wilson, Jeffrey Clark. Uh, the big loss on the defensive side of the football was Jordan Strawn, who transferred out of Georgia State to South Carolina at the end of last year. He was our leading sack guy uh, at 10 and a half sacks. But Coach Elliott and his staff, re- I'm going to say replaced. Uh, they did bring in a guy at a similar position, Shamar McCollum, from, from Wake, Wake Forest, Forest right? right? But, you know, lots of, ex- well, a good amount of experience at inside linebackers, starting with Blake Carroll, who was also with us on our podcast this week. And then the DBs, the corners and the safeties, uh, Quavian White and Antavius Lane and Tyler Gore, and Chris Moore, the Virginia transfer. Uh, and I'm sure there's somebody who I'm missing. But, again, a lot of familiar names at all three areas of the defense, up front in the middle and you know, amongst the DB. So if there's a year to be challenged with this schedule, this would be the year because I'm not going to say I don't see a weakness on this team. I don't see, I'm not going to say that at this point, but I don't see an area where depth is going to be a problem right now, you know, barring any injuries. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, You mentioned not only Coates coming back, but a very highly talented Jameis Williams, I uh, went to Grayson, I believe, played defensive back, moved over to running back very quick. He's actually been working the offseason with Brad Lester, former Auburn running back, who I went to high school with at Parkview. So I'm really looking forward to see that uh, that transition finally take into fruition. I think Williams will have a great year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that that battle as well. So it should be a fun, a fun season. I really predict this will be the best team in Georgia State, as you say, history, the young history. I think this will be the best finish Georgia State has had. Your comment on that, Dave? Well, again, way too early to say because of the schedule and, you know, knock on wood, we hope everyone stays healthy for the most part. Um, but it could be, you know, it, it, it could be a really fun season. Uh, last year, 6-4 and four in 10 games, a win over Western Kentucky in the Lending Tree Bowl. Listen, we know at the end of the year, 
we're battling for one of five bowl spots that are affiliated with the Sunbelt Conference. Right, JJ and Wayne? We know we're not playing for a national championship. We're not going to the Rose Bowl. We're not going to the Sugar Bowl. We, we know what we're playing for. You know, first and foremost, we're playing to hopefully knock off one or both Power Fives on our schedule this year. Uh, we're playing to win the Sunbelt Conference and win the Eastern Division of the Sunbelt Conference to get into that championship game. That still is on the docket, bucket list, checkoff list. Uh, and then we're obviously, you know, hoping to make a bowl game, win a bowl game. Uh, but this, you know, listen, I think Sean Elliott's done a fantastic job at Georgia State. The Sun Belt, everything being relative. Again, we're not playing an SEC schedule. We're not playing a, you know, a, uh, an ACC schedule. Everything being relative. Coach Elliott, I really think, has done a great job building this team and putting this team in position to do everything that we've talked about tonight. It's just a matter of ultimately going out and doing it, you know, beating a power five or two, starting out on a winning note, beating Army, beating Appalachian State for the first time. We have not beat them yet since we've joined the Sunbelt Conference. Well, since they joined the Sunbelt Conference after us, we have not beat them yet. Obviously, you want to beat Georgia Southern. I don't care how good Georgia Southern is. I don't care how bad they are as far as, you know, football. Again, it's Georgia State, Georgia Southern is the equivalent of Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Clemson. It's the game that the minute you see that schedule, that's the game. You quickly look down the schedule. Okay, what date's the Georgia Southern game? You know, okay. that's the game that we look at because that's the game. That's the rivalry game right there. Uh, so there's a lot on the table, a lot of opportunity. And we'll see how Georgia State does with this year. Practice, I think, you know, has been pretty spirited so far. I think I've been, what did I say? I've been to three or four of them. I believe they'll scrimmage. I believe they'll scrimmage on Saturday. I'm not 100% sure yet. Uh, that'll give us a first look because they're in pads for the first time on Thursday. So I think, you know, if they don't scrimmage this Saturday, it'll be the following Saturday. Um, but uh, definitely headed in the right direction. Definitely, you know, you think about what Coach Elliott started with yes. in, in, in building this program. It's He's really gone and, and done a lot in a relatively short amount of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Five years, uh, now two bowl wins in the short history of the program. I think Coach Elliott's doing a, a, a hats off job. And that's why I say, I think this is the year they get over the eight win mark in the regular season. I just feel it. I just, this is it. The stones are lining up, the, the planets are lining up, whatever you want to say. Uh, Dave, real quick, how can our listeners tune in to uh, week one against Army at home? And how can our listeners tune into the uh, Georgia State podcast with you? Uh, well, again, our flagship, as always, will be 88.5 FM WRAS. It's a nice 50,000-watt FM, so if you're in the Atlanta area, have no trouble picking that up. You can also listen on TuneIn Radio. Just enter or search WRAS. Uh, we stream on the website, the GeorgiaStateSports.com uh, website. A lot of folks, you know, are listening and or watching on their phones nowadays or their iPads, so you can you can always follow us uh, there as well but again on the radio at 88.5 fm we have one affiliate in am fm up in gainesville georgia uh, kind of covering that further northern arc 
up there in Hall County and White County and so far uh, the northern part of Gwinnett County, so on and so forth. But and then the Panther Insider podcast, our most recent podcast, which came out last Thursday, uh, featured our starting well last year's starting quarterback Cornelius Brown the fourth, and our leading tackler inside linebacker Blake Carroll. Uh, that's available as well um, via GeorgiaStateSports.com. But if anybody f- would like to follow me on Twitter or follow Georgia State Athletics on Twitter, uh, you can do that. Again, my Twitter is at GA State Voice, G-A-S-T-A-T-E-V-O-I-C-E. But you can also follow Georgia State Athletics. And you can also go to GeorgiaStateSports.com and find it as well. But it's available all over social media. They run about 30 minutes, 30, well, anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes, uh, all topics, Georgia State-centric. Uh, but right now it's kind of focusing in on football. So, Awesome, awesome. Well, Dave, we always appreciate having you on. Can't wait for the season. Uh, go Panthers, and we'll talk to you next time, Dave. Sounds good. Good talking to you guys. An interesting time, not just at Georgia State and the Sun Belt, but in college football across the board. So I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. Absolutely. As always, Dave Cohen, voice of the Georgia State Panthers. Thanks for coming on, Dave. We'll see you All right, you guys take it easy. We'll see you soon. All right. Well, Wayne, we got a couple no huddle headlines here at ATL Prime Sports. One funny one serious dealing with the Atlanta Falcons here. So we'll go ahead, get right on into it. The Falcons did add running back death. They signed Deontay Foreman, uh, yeah. former Titan and Texan, I believe, to add more depth, uh, more competition in uh, summer camp. So that's going to add to Mike Davis, Cordell Patterson, Quadri Olison, and now you have Foreman in the mix as well as Caleb Huntley as well is in there. So, Four or five guys, you don't know how many they'll keep, but it's always good to add depth. Uh, Wayne, well, your quick thoughts on the addition of Foreman? I think it's a good move. Uh, I, I really think that, you know, Atlanta in the past has always had a great offense. Uh, their defense was always questionable to me. Um, I don't really know what to expect this year because it's a new coach, it's a new regime, you know, and the, about the only thing uh, that may – be the same as, uh, you know, some of the guys on offense. I don't know what to expect on defense, really. Yeah, no Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts is going to be your main guys. We'll do two tight end sets with Hayden Hurst and Pitts, maybe split Pitts out wide. He may be your replacement for Julio Jones. I think you'll see a lot of Mike Davis out of the backfield, short, easy routes for Matt Ryan to get the ball out of his hand quickly because that's when he's the most effective. And if our offensive line can produce some some gaps and Mike Davis can get around 950 to 1,000 yards, I think the Falcons could be competitive. But I'm picking 9-8. and eight. We'll move on to our second no-huddle headline here at ATL Prime Sports. And it's the $30,000 beer cup snake. <laughs> That's right. The $30,000 beer cup snake was estimated in a Wrigley Field. But the new world record which was set at 102 feet, happened recently at a St. Paul Saints game, a AAA affiliate of the Minnesota Twins organization. Look, this is a funny and clever way to recycle. (laughs) But let's face it, uh, it's just cool. This is one of the aspects of having fans in the stands that's so beautiful about ballparks is you get together and um, you do things like this in the stands. Kind of funny. So 102 feet, new world record. 
St. Paul Saints. Let's get you one of these material right there. Wayne, what are your thoughts on the uh, beer cup snake? It's something that I've never experienced or even seen. Uh, I'm I'm wondering maybe we're going to have something like that uh, in, uh, you know, they do serve beer at the uh, Liberty Bowl for the Tigers games. I don't know if you're going to be able to get fans that coordinated to do something fun like that, but we'll see. Uh, that's a low blow. No, I'm just kidding. I think it's fun. I think it's clever. Uh, hopefully, you'll see it uh, at Truist, Truist Park one day. I'd love to throw a beer on, on tap and maybe hold, hold it up, get a picture with it. I think it's absolutely cool. Well, that's our show today. Uh, I'm J.J. Jerzovich filling in for the one, the only T.C. Todd Quarter for the fabulous and wonderful Wayne, our producer out there in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. This is ATL Prime Sports. If you like the videos, folks, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search ATL Prime Sports on YouTube or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get at us. We'll see you. For Wayne, I'm JJ. Get you one.